What's up? Sight and Sound Podcast presented by Heart Guide Media. We got Sean and Eric joining to make it uh, a BT list podcast, but we're covering sleepaway camp today as we continue on with our summer camp slasher celebration. 1983 sleepaway camp, boys. I'm excited for this film. Dynamite dropping. <laughs> 1983 sleepaway camp yes another earlier slasher i would say early 80s very excited to discuss yeah this one uh maybe one of the most definitive summer camp slashers for sure for sure i mean i think also uh choose my words wisely i guess not to probably controversial shocking for the time period maybe oh yeah oh yeah for sure not so, so much now in 2022. 2022, this is this is Jiffy peanut butter with fucking Smucker's jelly now. I'm surprised uh, there hasn't been a uh, surprised the remix hasn't been announced. Give it time. It'll happen. For sure. Or maybe they already remade it and just called it they them on fucking it's the Hulu. Ooh, there movie. you go. The Hulu movie with Kevin Bacon. I didn't watch a trailer for that yet, but trailer looks good. It actually looks fucking sick. But OKB is the man, though. So, and he's no stranger to summer camp slashers. Not at all. Not at all. One of the monumental. Bark it out. Bark it out, Judge. Um, Judge agrees. Judge is a huge Kevin Bacon fan. Huge KB fan. All right, let's uh, without any further ado, let's fucking dive right into this. BT isn't here, but we do have a synopsis from BT. Now, before we get to that, gentlemen, when was the first time we fucking saw this thing? Uh, surprisingly enough, later teens. Uh, I've actually watched the sequel or second one more than the first one growing up. Because Video King only had the second one and not the first one. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the same thing with me, kind of uh, early, mid-early teens, kind of when I was, like what I talked about with The Burning, when I was just kind of starting to discover some of the deeper cuts in the horror genre. Um, I remember this, I remember watching this with a few friends at the time, and uh, yeah, I remember the ending kind of, it was a big hit, big hit, I'll say that. Yeah, that... Uh... I got to admit that I first saw the second and third one before I saw the first one. That's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, I, I definitely have obviously seen the sequels, but yeah, definitely I watched these in order. What was it like? Not to, I know, but watching the sequels and the first after, what was that like? Did it, did it make you like the, did like them more, like them less? Did it not have an effect? I think I like the sequels more. Um, But with that said, I had seen, for some reason, it was fucking Showtime or Cinemax or something. It was like mid-2000s, summertime, too, so it's very apropos. Um, I they I turned it on literally like, I don't know, 11, 12 o'clock at night, and they were playing two and then three right after it. I fucking stayed up till fucking whatever it was, fucking, you know, fucking 3.30 in the morning or whatever. Um, I finished fucking the second one. I was like, well, I'm fucking committed now. I got to watch the third one. It's right now. now. Um, and watched the third one and loved them, fell in love with them. 
shortly after that, uh, Casey Jones had, you know, some, uh, had a couple of the quotes in some of their songs on their album that came out maybe a year or two after I saw the movie. It made me like it even more. And I think right around that time, I was like, well, I love two and three. I need to actually go watch one. Um, and then two and three made a lot more sense after I saw after I saw one um, love one, love the first sleepaway camp. Um, But I think as much as I do love it, I think and we are covering two and three next week. But I, I think two and three were a little bit more my speed as far as campiness um and don't get me wrong you guys know i'm not like full-blown camp but i don't know those movies just hit me at the right time and i just fell in love with them but um you know revisiting the first one or visiting the first one for the first time after i saw these i was you know everything made more sense and it was it's a good seriously toned slasher film that was more serious than you know the the sequels obviously um completely different film and i kind of like the way that they turned with the sequels but this one's really well done i think albeit like some bad acting but not a lot um but you'll get that in lower budget uh horror films yeah i mean i know we're going to cover the the sequels as well i i i think that uh the first one is a much more i guess serious approach than the other ones at least in my opinion i think the other ones are much more like you said, campy. They bring a different element to them, like that. I think the first one uh, was much more serious than the others. You know what I mean? Like, did anybody else agree with that? Kind of like they no. kind of went no, in different no, directions. They, I think they knew that. I, I think they had a good. They got their finger on the pulse of what would be cool to like revisit it, like, and make it a little more campy, a little, you know, more entertaining, I guess. But, um. But anyway, focusing on the first one, directed by Robert Hiltzik. Uh, he ended up writing this and 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 he ended up writing Return to Sleepaway Camp, which was technically the fourth installment. Um, and uh, yeah, this uh, he didn't really do. He didn't really got a lot of other credits. Honestly, he <laughs> he did some really random shit. So not a lot. Um at all he actually has two two credits he has the return to sleepaway camp and sleepaway camp so this is this was his this was his bowl of cereal that he really liked his career from afar yeah for sure maybe he didn't want it to though um regardless we got felissa rose obviously she's been in the con world for a long time uh i mean not to uh you know, she's obviously been in other stuff, but this is her claim to fame for sure, especially in the horror realm. Right. Um, it seems like she, she's definitely a darling of the horror genre, much more in her present day. I mean, she's been in a lot of stuff sure. the past some odd years. Uh, I did want to mention about her is that she, I think what's really great about her is she's like a fucking, she drives the horror. Like she loves it. She goes to so many cons. She does so many conventions. She's just really kind of great for the, for, for the horror community so yeah she is and she's playing our lead of angela uh angela baker but what i do love um uh, she ended up marrying a horror fan and that horror fan who was a big fan of her and had him on cky shirts and everything as lead singer guitarist formerly of cky darren miller 
And uh, that's an interesting like story anyway, like a fan, you know, becomes your husband. Um, But like you were saying, Eric, she's, she's a, she's a, she champions the horror genre. So we got to really appreciate and respect that for sure. And then we got a lot of, a lot of unknown uh, people in this movie, like people who just really didn't have like Jonathan uh, Tiersten, like who plays Ricky Karen Fields, who plays Judy, like a lot of these people didn't really do much. Um, yeah, you got Robert Earl Jones, though. Robert Earl Jones, is that the that's the, the brother? Father. To... Nope, the father. The father. Holy fuck. To James. Yeah, because when I was rewatching, I'm just like, man, this guy sounds way too much like James Earl Jones on the Internet. I. See, I didn't look up anything on IMDb, but that's fucking awesome. <laughs> James Earl Jones' father. That's Robert Earl Jones is James Earl Jones' father. Is that what he said? Yeah, yeah. He, he was born in 1910. He's like the cook dude. Like yeah, he was cook. the guy that took over for the pedo cook. Yeah, getting paid extra fifty bucks a week. Yeah. Hmm. It came out. This comes out. November came out November eighteenth, nineteen eighty three. It was filmed. I knew this. Uh, I'm looking at the IMDb page right now. Um, but I knew this. I knew it was filmed in Glens Falls because they've talked about it before. Um, and I actually went and saw um, CKY play a show in Glens Falls. And he talked about Darren Miller. I think this might have been before he was with Felissa Rose, but actually mentioned that his one of his favorite movies, Sleepaway Camp, was filmed in Glens Falls. That's sick. And I didn't know that at the time, and that's how I found out. And I think I that I heard that information and saw that show before I actually uh, saw the first Sleepaway Camp. I I think I'd still only been in, indoctrinated with the second and third one, but but yeah, um, we'll let BT since he's not here. He actually recorded the synopsis. The BT fucking drunken synopsis is going to be a thing going forward. We're going to try to make sure BT is a little sauced up. Um and then gives us a synopsis. We think this is a good thing. I think he did a, I think he did a, a a a fun job of doing it the last time for the burning. So I think we're gonna try to keep this going. I think it's one of the best ideas that probably. I mean, you've come. Uh, I mean, it's one of the best ideas ever. I think. I think it's. I love the BT synopsis, and then if we could add, add a little mixture, a little elixir in there, and get BT in his true form. It just All adds right. to it. So we're going to play this. It's five some odd minutes long of his synopsis. So <laughs> if he does say anything that's interesting or that I have to interrupt him, this is like great because even when he's not on the podcast and he's recorded something, I'll still be able to pause him and interrupt him. <laughs> and he won't fucking flip out. So, well, at least not right now. No. And he know he won't listen to it anyway. So, all right, this is the fucking the half-ass fucking serial sloped BT fucking synopsis. Let's hear it, BT. What do you got? So okay, so this guy, he's like thirty something, maybe late twenties, and his two kids, Peter and Angela, are just like hanging out on his boat. Um, the boat is in the water. So then these three teenagers are like well two of them are in the boat and this other like lovely 
girl is water skiing. Lovely. And the kids push their dad into the water. Oops, the fucking, it stopped playing. They said, fuck you, BT. So, okay. <laughs> this, so this, guy, this is actually perfect. This is why I love not editing everything. Hold on. Water. They're all in the water. They're having a great time. Here we go. And then the water skier, bless her heart, she's like, hey, we're going to hit these people. BT dropping the bless her heart like he's fucking us, <laughs> like he's Paula Dean. <laughs> like, pay attention because I didn't mention the, the two teenagers in the boat are not fucking paying attention. And they run right over. Right over the dad and the two kids, and they're like, "Shit, look what we did!" And water skiers, like, "Oh my god, we hit a boat!" Meanwhile, the dad, his gay lover, is watching. Like, it's a whole big mess, guys. So then we go eight years later. We find out, oh, because one of the kids survived, and it didn't show you who. But we find out um, eight years later. It was Angela who's now living with her dear aunt Martha, like okay, and her cousin Ricky, who's like you know he loves his cousin Angela. He's very tough, and Aunt Martha is one of the most normal women I've ever seen on screen in a movie. Like she's just <laughs> nothing to see here. Um, she's sending them away to summer camp, and oh, she forgot almost. That she has their physicals ready. Um, she tied a, a string around her fingers so she wouldn't forget. So then anyway, they go, they go to camp. Um, and Angela's really shy. This is her first year at camp. And Ricky runs into his best friend, Paul, and uh, his maybe ex-girlfriend, Judy, who she's just not, not into him anymore. Cool around, she um, sort of developed more over the over the last year because girls mature before boys BT's um, walk that line right now. so yeah angela's really shy and she doesn't talk a lot paul develops a crush on her but like everyone else starts picking on her because apparently when you're like a teenager and someone's quiet and doesn't talk a lot and i guess stares at people a lot and doesn't talk they feel the need to like bully the shit out of her especially judy um is bt explaining his high school experience or is he actually <laughs> talking about the movie so. like a teenager who's fucking around with the camp owner mel who's like 80 um <laughs> so and there's a fucking child a pedophile who's like the cook of the camp hold on my cat topaz <laughs> get away from those shoes come here so yeah there's this pedophile corners Angela and Ricky saves her as he's, you know, about to unbuckle his belt. Oh, perv. They get out of there. And then the cook, some kid, we don't see who, because we're in a whodunit situation. Um, well, you know, long story short, the, the cook ends up with burns all over his body and he's like wheeled out of there screaming i told bt you know, synopsis he's, he's, he's a, a whole fucking rundown he was already a pedophile i mean i'm loving it though so anyway there's a new cook taking over the oh that doesn't matter so kids are getting killed off everyone who's picking up shit on robert Earl jones one by he's one. like oh that doesn't matter he's he's 
this cute little romance. Paula ends up cheating on her, though, with Judy. Whole big mess. Um, so people are dead. Mel, the camp owner, is, like, freaking out because if kids keep dying, then other kids are going to get sent home, and then no more camp, right? Um, he thinks it's Ricky doing it because Ricky's like really protective over his cousin and the audience is led to believe maybe it's Angela. Um, you, the you listener, Ricky, I would hope has already seen the movie. You know, it's Angela, Ricky but it's not Ricky. really Angela, right? Because Aunt Martha already had and a son. One of your cousins. So Angela. obviously she had to raise Peter as his sister, Angela, which I don't see the big deal. And Angela as we'll call her him her now because I you know we've seen pronouns do too. I'm pretty sure Angela identifies as Angela now, right? So she still has a penis. She's been killing people, and it's a whole big mess. And where do we go from here, right? Because we're covering two and three next week. See you then. Love it. I I think that was perfect. I think B, I like I like the way BT delivers. BT lost the 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 idea of the synopsis though. Cliff notes, BT. Yeah, I mean it was only five minutes. I think you did a good job. Well, the movie opens with uh like it being it looks very fall like. I'm guessing they shot it in fall too because you can see trees turning. But I love the opening sequence where it's like fall and they're showing the camp and the leaves are blowing and stuff. I don't know why I really like that opening. Oh, same here. It kind of gives like a eerie vibe. Yeah, I mean, uh, shows into the fall. I thought it was cool. Obviously, we know upstate New York is is great in the fall, and then then it cuts to summertime. I I do agree with you. I think the the way they opened it. And the camera work was really cool. And so this gives a good, like, little summer camp. It pretty much, they give you a lot of detail when the kids get to the summer camp. Obviously, as BT said, uh, you see, you know, Angela and her brother, like, one of them and her her father who, who dies, like, in this boating accident. Um, I don't know why. The fucking the the father's boyfriend or husband or whatever when he gets hit by the boat and the boyfriend just goes john it was like a hilarious <laughs> cut and it just like was so awkward and i was just like how are these kids a way better actor than this fucking guy that's like in his 40s <laughs> and yeah, that guy had one what... line that guy had one word to say there was a there's a roller coaster of uh, of acting in this. Some people really spot on, others you feel like they just pulled off of the street. But that's what kind of adds to the charm of it. And, and any, other, any other slasher as well. I was gonna say maybe uh you know John's lover was in such shock that that was the only thing that came out of his mouth, John. Yeah, that could be. It uh, but. They give a good camp dynamic without having to tell a whole backstory of previous camp years. So obviously Ricky and Judy um, had something going on, but Judy's developed a little bit and she's talking to the older guys. Um, And, you know, they, they pretty much like set the tone. Like Ricky's very protective of Angela. Um, We get a pedo cook. Like the guy literally looks like he would be a pedophile too. That was perfect casting. Yeah, that was to say they nailed the casting on that. That's for sure. I'll, 
I also love how like that cook is just so open about being a pedophile too. Yeah, he mm-hmm. yeah he didn't really conceal himself well. He got what was coming to him though. Which was that was a time. great. I don't know why that that scene till to this day of him getting scalded by what was it hot dog water corn water, um, corn water. Uh, corn water is a, a hard ass fucking band name. Yeah, backwards are though for sure. Corn water got sick fucking breakdowns. Colonel of Hate, Colonel of Hate, great song. Oh my god. Uh, do we know like who did the effects on this movie? I don't think anybody notable. I don't think, but yeah, that fucking the burns, the burns of showing his face like blistering was fucking amazing. Yeah, like the the pulsating blisters. I'm like, that's actually really cool. Yeah, that was so fucking amazing, actually. Special effects was Bill Billowit. Uh, he was the special effects coordinator, Bill Billowit. Apparently you worked on some you worked on some other stuff, Chud, and you worked on Creep Show. Yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah. Interesting. Yeah, those effects of his like face blistering and stuff, and they extended that too to like make it like I think resonate. And it was very satisfying seeing a pedo get scalded to fucking to shit. Oh, I saw it with the payoff. <laughs> we gotta talk about Ron, the fucking like head counselor, though. This motherfucker had the shortest shorts in the history of fucking shorts. <laughs> He's the one who's like super jack, right? Super jack, super Super Italian, super Italian, fucking, but wearing the shortest fucking shorts, maybe of all time. Huge hog just sticking right out, pointing at the kids while I walked around. (laughs) Always dressed, always dressed in red. Oh yeah, rocking the fucking red. Just I they, I've seen underwear that had more coverage than those fucking shorts. That was the thing, you know, just rocking the short shorts. Long shorts were a thing. I mean, they didn't see that the, shit till the 90s. There was a lot of short shorts in that movie, too. Oh, yeah. The 80s. It's 83. Season of sh- I mean, that's the fucking... Fucking guys on. wearing baby dukes and shit. They wore short shorts all the way up until, like, 1994, and then it was over. Old but Ronnie was fucking jacked as shit, man. though. He was jacked and just fucking eating meatball heroes and just fucking going to the gym yeah. and fucking letting his fucking... I just, that, I just love that one scene where like the older uh camp counselor yelling at Ricky and he's just like in the background just lifting dumbbells. Yeah. <laughs> you guys get that pump on. Yeah. Uh yeah, the the boss, the the main fucking the owner of the camp is super like just tries to hide all the incidents and shit and it's which is just uh it's interesting because that that's shit, you know, money obviously still rules the world. Uh so if you're not gonna you don't want kids fucking leaving or parents getting worried, you're gonna lose fucking money on your kids. So I thought that was a cool dynamic to throw into the movie too. And we get a lot of fucking counselors wearing baseball tees. We get fucking some amazing we get a blue oyster cult fucking t shirt. One of the kids got a blue oyster cult shirt on. There's like a oh, uh, one of the cabins has a clash poster in the background. Yeah the combat rock poster. Um the one kid just fucking dropping, telling Angela, saying, calling Angela a nutcake and fucking a loony, Angela Looney Tunes, saying she's playing with half a fucking deck. Like, you can't even be <laughs> yeah. quiet without you're just, you're fucking, you fruitcake bitch. Like, fucking yeah, Rick, this Ricky one... definitely had the best dialogue in this movie. Oh, yeah. Ricky, oh, yeah, fucking... he's got some great shit. He's got some great shit. Eat shit and live. 
Yeah. I think he also tells someone during the baseball game to blow a dead dog. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. This guy can't hit because he blows dog. Dead dog. Yeah. He, I, dead dogs. I thought that was like, uh, you know, I've seen this movie before, but I heard that again. I'm like, Jesus Christ, that's the fucking most grotesque thing ever. <laughs> Eat shit and live is fucking the name. Yeah. It's the name of fucking... The, you know, early on in the movie when they're playing this baseball game against the other, uh, you know, it's not another oh, camp, but another bunk or whatever. These fuckers are taking this baseball game, like, harder than MLB players do. I mean, they're <laughs> fucking pissed. Seriously. And I was just thinking, like, I was just thinking, like, these motherfuckers really care about this goddamn pickup baseball game over here at this fucking camp. And again, they're telling each other to blow dead dogs. I mean, that's just fucked up. But, you know. We get an Asia baseball tee concert t-shirt. Oh, yes. We get a Doors baseball tee concert t-shirt. The ba- I'm telling you, we talked about it last time. The baseball tee is just, they're like, underutilized. So so dominant back in the day, too. 70s, 80s, they're all over the place. Now, uh, back. you know, kids start going, you know, some kid fucking drowns. He's found. There's some random fucking snake crawling out of his fucking face, like. Uh, the, the effects in this are cool. I mean, some of them don't hold up to like a 2022 standard, but you know, what do you expect? This lower budget 83. I think they look good for what they were for the budget in the time. Yeah. I think everyone looks at this stuff a different way. Like, I think we look at it a different way than somebody who's just watching like fucking Marvel movies or something. No offense to Marvel, Sean. I'm sorry. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I like when people use like ingenuity to do the special effects and like, yeah, kind of see like what they're doing. So, there's a lot of cool shit that happens in this movie. Uh, obviously, like we talked about, the burn, uh, the burning victim was really a really cool shit. Yeah. Um, the camp but, uh, counselor, how, how he gets it, but yeah. Judy and Meg are the two girls. Judy is the main, you know, villainous girl, and then her friend Meg is the other one. But Judy drops some fucking classic lines: "The fucking carpenter's dream, flat as a board, and well, needs a screw." <laughs> Uh, Judy, Judy going on some, some gay shame though, and fucking saying that she thinks Angela's queer, thinks she's gonna watch. Which that, that line makes no sense though, because if she was queer, she would be taking a shower with the rest of the girls. Yeah, exactly. Sean thought that one out. Judy's a fucking half brain. <laughs> you know what? This movie, just like a lot of films, but this movie really shows how like awful fucking kids are. You know what I mean? Like we all. Oh, it's to... true. It's that, that's true to like like credit to them. They didn't try to like hide how kids really are. They really showcased like what oh. little pieces of shit kids can be. Yeah, well, I mean, we all know we went to school and and we and were some they're... of those pieces of shit. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Yeah, they really the bullying is like. Max in this, oh, they in this hit book. fucking Angela with a also like 17 year old men hitting like a fucking 14 year old girl with a fucking balloon just blew by like blows my mind. Like, are you really like that? Is is your pecker that small that you need to fucking just bully? Uh, yeah, I just, but he gets, he gets a red death though, so it's okay. No, yeah, that's true. We get, yeah, the, the deaths are all cool. Um, I obviously, think Meg's death is kind of weak though. Yeah, uh. I'd probably chalk it up to like maybe budget and fucking maybe they're just rushing the the thing. Uh, obviously, Judy's death is fucking notable. The the old uh, curling iron. Yeah, and you got to leave it up to your imagination where it went. Sean didn't. Sean just blurred that. Yeah, just for a like this. So it went straight to the badge. He's been having fever dreams about that shit since he rewatched. <laughs> 
Well, she uh, extended the handle, so I think maybe it went in two different orifices. Ah. Uh, yeah, I mean that's a brutal way to uh, to go, but it looks well, like she was. That was brilliant, uh, though. Obviously, you you couldn't show anything crazy. Two, you didn't have to show it. You just showed the silhouette of Angela doing it through the wall, and it made it just as effective. Less is more, of course. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Ricky, though, he does like have these uh these outbursts. He's calling fucking them cocksuckers and pricks, and <laughs> great. He's got he's got he's a little firecracker. I like it. Yeah, we're gonna touch Just about how. For... Go ahead, Eric. I was just gonna say how Mel, the owner of the camp, has set that Ricky's the killer in his head, so he's fucking after him. Yeah, the second it, half of the movie. They they pretty much leave that like kind of open too, because every time there's like someone does something to Angela, like a killing happens, you know, or you know, a killing happens, uh, you know, a murder happens, um. So you kind of leave it up to like, is it Angela or is it Ricky? Like, you know, for someone that's never seen the movie before, obviously. Um, So they do a pretty good job dancing that line, even though I think most people could kind of assume it was. But when when she appears in the the doorway, that's all you can't you can't tell whether or not it's Ricky or Angela. I like that a lot. Yeah, I'm talking about. Yeah, 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 for sure. Right for, uh, for Judy's death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. It looks like Ricky to me, but uh, I I have a theory that they're both just they're both killing. Yeah, there we go. Um, I did like that though. I did like the um, the little dynamic where like Angela is not talking or saying anything to anybody, but she opens up to Paul and like likes Paul, and that turns fucking sour. Obviously, and she takes his fucking head off and has got it in her lap like that was amazing that was an amazing and you know she and the boss just beats the piss out of ricky and just smashes him like ah while he's laying on the ground like a fucking chimpanzee yeah that was like super fucking that was like it was like i don't know it was like effective but like i don't know it was strange but it was good I, i don't know it was a weird scene but um but yeah, I do love the ending and the reveal is amazing. Uh of you know, Paul's head in Angela's lap and they're rolling up on Angela like fucking humming some bullshit song. Uh and then Paul's head rolls out of her fucking lap, great effects, and she stands up and she's doing the fucking this random ass hiss. It it's like the yeah, it's like a like a hiss fucking uh, like kind of the noise BT makes when he hasn't eaten in like twelve hours and there's a fucking bagel stuck in the fucking toaster. I mean that scene is you know the 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 frame of of Angela standing there, the Creepy. reveal of her of her parts, and uh, it's iconic. I mean that's a con- iconic in the horror world for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess I and I still feel this to this day. I don't know why she's holding the face and looking to the left the whole time. I don't understand that. She's like hissing and like looking off to the side. Like, and they have like a dummy and then Felicity yeah. Rose's actual face and they're going back and forth. And yeah, yeah. But great scene. I mean, like I said, yeah. iconic as hell. Yeah, iconic, iconic. as shit. And, and like I said, shocking. This this film, I know we talk about films a lot where it's, you know, this film speaks a lot in 83. I mean, the, the way we talk about gender now, this is right on that. This is 
you know, this is well before this, and this is what I, this is what I mean. The the gender fluidity and and all the stuff that's happening. I mean, I think this is a this is a case of that. You know what I mean? Like big if, time. I know, mean, this was a little bit more like forced on her. Well, that's what I mean. Like trauma, like trauma. But like still, you, yeah. You lost your dad, and you have this crazy aunt that's like forcing gender upon you and then like the the shit that the battle that you have inside it's just it, it speaks a lot you know what i mean and i think that's another thing that kind of just get over the years just gets skimmed over people just look at it as like shock value at the end but there's really deeper shit you know what i mean oh yeah big time i mean this is arguably tackles something that's um this there's you know it's obviously, I feel like it's more important. This is a more vital and relevant film now than it's ever been, you know, 40 years later. I'm for like, sure. For sure. I mean, feeling the, the also like with the gender stuff, but also like, just like I said, with, with how people, how awful and, and people could be in bullying and feeling like you're the outcast and, and, and the kind of like, you know, navigating life as a, as a child or as a young adult, that's fucking, different or or you know what i mean it's just there's a lot happening again and i think a lot of these films that we talk about especially like there's so much that's happening but they you know it just doesn't i don't know like a lot of these slasher movies like people look at them as like a just a kind of a singular thing like it's like a goofy slasher and that's kind of what it is but i feel like almost every movie well not every film but so many years have they're speaking to bigger bigger things you know what i mean and this one is more than probably any of them so yeah and this is you know what you know for you guys uh where do you guys think that this ranks i feel like i feel like the story of this movie is still being told like as far as the fandom growing and the fucking like realization that this shit was touched upon in in different aspects obviously i feel like this movie is I think if this got screened, uh, if this got screened to certain audiences, I think there would be some kind of connection there. But I also feel like, you know, the the crowd that just wants to attack everything and not like try to take the good away from anything would probably be like, oh, that's not how it is. They had the ant force it on her or whatever. But uh, this is obviously before, like you were saying, like gender fluidity and shit like that was anywhere in the minds of you know the the public or the society as a whole like it wasn't even in it was very like even just being gay in the early 80s was super taboo being gay in the early 90s was super taboo still um in some you know sectors of the world it's still taboo but obviously to a much lesser degree (laughs) where do you guys think this film ranks as far as being a slasher I mean, it's pretty up there. It's it's one that when people talk slasher movies, especially slasher movies of the 80s, this one's always brought up. For sure. I mean, I, I think it's like we talked about with, with The Burning last time. And, like, there's, in my opinion, you have, like, your your pillars of, of horror, and then you have the genres within, and then in your tops. And I, and I think Sleepaway Camp is one of the monumental slasher films. Um, you know, I think if I was to tell anybody, if someone was to say, you know, give me five slasher movies that I yeah, have to watch, I would be hard pressed to say that this wouldn't be one of them. You know what I mean? No, definitely. Um, and sure. I think like, it's like what we talked about with Felissa Rose too. Like, I know 
I'm sure maybe some people who listen go to conventions, but we go to conventions multiple times a year, mostly this, you know, Monster Mania, but like, uh, we're very in the convention circuit or whatever you want to call it, the community. But, you know, I think Felissa Rose being as active in the, the genre as she is and going to cons and being in new movies, I think even like helps this movie so much because someone sees that she's going somewhere. Maybe they don't know who she is. They look into the film. And then they were, you know what I mean? So they discover it that way as well. Yeah. So it's, that's, right. that's definitely got to be helping keeping the, the film alive. Didn't she like direct a Slayer music video not that long ago? Yeah, she directed uh, Repentless, actually. That's pretty sick. Yeah. Yeah, she's still very active. Uh, Champion this movie still. Um, like Eric said, she's popping up in other horror movies. Uh, is a big con, uh, a, an attendee at, at many cons now. And, uh, She's holding it down and keeping horror alive. She champions it and got to be super thankful for that. Um, and if she's listening, Felissa, come on the pod sometime. Yeah. Big, big, big love to Felissa Rose. Um, big love. But yeah, closing, uh, closing thoughts, guys. What do we, what are closing thoughts for this? I think it's just, uh, like I said, I think the story for this is still yet to be fully told. I don't think, I think there could still be a bigger, even bigger audience for this movie than there already is outside of even just horror fans. But uh, except for, you know, top tier slasher film, you know, like, you know, if you haven't seen it while you're listening to this podcast, run out, watch it and then come back later. Um, for sure. But yeah. I think it's great. I enjoy it every time I watch it. Always a fun watch. Yeah, I mean, like I, I mean, I pretty much already said what I was going to say, but it, it has it has a lot to say. You know what I mean? Like it's there's a lot happen happening. Like the storytelling is is really holds up. Like I said, modern day with with all the the talk of gender and and people being free and to do whatever they want. In my opinion, of course, and this, like I said, eighty three. Um, with a reveal like that and, and kind of the, and the, the battle of, of gender and, and, and just, it's just a lot of stuff happening in this movie. So one of the best slasher films ever, of course. Um, and I think, like I said, because of all the other underlying things that are happening in it and the things that it's speaking to um, it's, it's one of the best. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, we're going to be talking uh, Sleepaway Camp 2 and 3. Really excited to dig into those. But you guys know the the drill. Links in the bio of Instagram and Twitter. Um, we got a link tree in there. You can check out where the podcast is streaming, iTunes, Spotify, all that happy, fun shit. Um, on Instagram and Twitter at HeartGuideMedia. Uh, yeah, this, is, this has been a good one. We're going to dive into 2 and 3. And those are going to be fucking fun as shit. Um, but yeah, uh, check it out. Let people know, tweet, or and or tag Felissa Rose in this, and tell her we talked about how great we think she is and how great she was in this film. And and yeah, um, awesome fucking film. Really excited to talk two and three. I'm I'm really excited as well. All right, peeps. That is fucking. Thanks. That concludes. Thanks, it. BT. Thank BT for the dynamite synopsis he dropped. <laughs> and I and we that has to be a thing going forward. Like it's, I think it's it's just clutch. It's it's we need it. The BT. When we do uh, two and three. Are we doing that like this on Zoom? Or are we doing? Oh, I think we're gonna do it this before Monster Mania weekend, and then I think we're gonna record uh, 
a live commentary for when we're down at Eric's for Monster Mania weekend. Hell yeah. All right. That concludes our uh, broadcast show.